Welcome to the Sailing to Success podcast, the show created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm of fast-paced business growth. Lindsay Phillips is the founder of Smooth Sailing Online Support, a company dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and small business owners increase customer service, run their business more effectively, and increase their profits. Prepare to be inspired and learn some practical tips and strategies you can use in your business today. And now, welcome your host and captain for this 30-minute excursion, Lindsay Phillips. Hey everyone, welcome to Sailing to Success podcast. So this show was created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm. So my name is Lindsay Phillips and I'm your host and captain for this 30-minute excursion. I am the founder and CEO of Smooth Sailing Online Support, a company dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and small business owners calm the choppy waters of fast-paced business growth. So you can learn more about what we do at ssonlinesupport.com. So this podcast mainly, guys, is to help motivate you, inspire you to achieve more in your business, um, really get some practical tips and business building strategies so you can be more productive, boost your profits, and of course, grow your business. That is the name of the game here. Um, so today I'm really excited to have Sean Casemore, and he's going to be talking to us about um, operational empowerment, team culture, you know, motivating your staff, and a few other things. Um, he is the author of Operational Empowerment, Collaborate, Innovate, and Engage to Beat the Competition. So he's an internationally recognized speaker and writer and the principal of Case Moore & Co. Inc., which is a management consultancy located in Toronto, Ontario. So another Canadian, yay! Yeah. Um, after a 17-year corporate career in operations and sales, Sean launched his own company in 2008, um, really wanting to help CEOs, executives, business leaders to enable individuals and teams to be more productive, more engaged, and participating to help accelerate the growth of that organization, which of course is what we all want. So thanks so much uh, for joining me on the podcast show, Sean. Not a problem, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. You betcha. And yeah, so my audience, of course, knows that uh, I'm Canadian, so it's not very often I get to interview some Canadians, so. <laughs> We're few and far between. There's only six of us up here, including Bob. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and my igloo's better than yours. <laughs> yeah, but my dog team, uh, they, they are stronger. <laughs> oh, okay, well. <laughs> I'll meet you by that uh, iceberg over you know, north. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, so, yeah. So, I love, um, obviously, interviewing other Canadians. Um, so, tell me a little bit about the book, um, Operational Empowerment. Well, it, um, it, it's kind of the culmination of, uh, I guess, my work over the past seven years uh, following uh, moving away from a corporate career and starting into consulting. What I found, you know, in my career as I moved from company to company in different roles as executive and, and, and starting out as, at a manager level, what I had realized is that despite the the size of the company, privately held, publicly held, uh, the sector, the industry, the challenges were often the same. And the challenges were that the people in the business, the employees who are really the horsepower to the business, uh, were not really included relative to what's going on in the business. So you have executives or, or this president CEO off doing what they need to do, but not a lot of connection between what they're doing and what the employees are doing. So the employees are coming into work every day, but not knowing what are some of the challenges facing the business? How can I 
better support our customer base? Uh, how can I, in my role, uh, ensure a better customer experience? You know, and, and on and on the list goes. And the CEOs or the presidents who had a strong company, a profitable company, a growing company, were those that had employees that they invested time with and that did have this clear connection. I call it the employee-customer connection. So the book was really written, although the title suggests it's all operational-based, it really is, uh, it's been it's been called by many as a CEO's playbook to how to build a stronger, more profitable uh, business because I walked through everything from how to build a better strategy to how to create a culture of continuous improvement. And actually, I, I kind of beat down the word culture in and of itself and give it a different meaning. Um, so, it, you know, it really is that culmination. And my second book that I'm working on now is all about how to take some of those ideas and use them to dramatically accelerate the growth of, uh, of the business. Perfect. And I know it's like a lot of people have the mindset where it's like, okay, getting new leads, you know, increasing your, your prices equals, you know, a greater growth, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, you need to look more internally. And that's obviously what you're covering. So you mentioned that you changed the word of culture, you didn't quite like it. So how would you explain culture then? Well, I, I, the word that I, it, I guess my argument in the book, if, yeah. I, if you will, is, is that we often talk about changing the culture. We need to change the culture. But if you think about what is a culture, um, you know, it, just going back to the, this will date me a little bit, but there was once a group <laughs> called Culture Club. And it oh was, my God, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was more the idea that, you know, and the, uh, the people in the band, they wore funny clothes and did funny things with their hair, obviously to, to get attention as, as they still do today. Uh, but the whole idea was they were unique in and of their, their own way. And you had, too had to be unique to fit in. Now, so take that idea. If that's culture, if that's what culture really is. Now think about, um, I live in a, a smaller community just north, just north of Toronto, Ontario. Many people around the world live in smaller communities. Mm -hmm. What makes it unique? Why do you live in that smaller community? Well, regardless of your background, where you come from, the size of your house, it, 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 you, you move to a community because you feel like you're part of something. And because you feel like you're part of something, if you've been around the community for a while, well, you oftentimes volunteer your personal time. You might coach little league. You might, uh, you know, do something with the, the church, whatever it might be. And 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 within a community, you've got sub communities. So you've got, you know, going back to my previous example, the church group, and you've got the the the, the little league group and the hockey group and the, yeah. all these different groups. So it struck me that a community is a place where, regardless of who you are and your background, you, you, once you're there, you are accepted. You become involved, you're inspired to be involved, and you, you contribute, obviously at different levels, yeah. but, but the result, communities that thrive are communities that have the most contribution, whereas communities that fail have a bunch of misfits that have no idea what they're doing, and they don't get along, they don't work together. So that really defined the difference between culture and community, and in the book, I speak to the idea that I think we're calling it the wrong thing. You, you, can't, you can't really think about you know, changing a culture. What you need to do is start thinking about how do I build a community where employees actually want to show up for work, they actually want to contribute, they want to get involved. Uh, that, that's kind of, to me, the focus that we should be thinking of from a business standpoint. And I've never thought of that way, but I love that word community because people feel that like they have a vested interest, right? Yeah. And that they count. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, and that's... I like that word community. I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. um, so what, and I know you've said that people or employees 
aren't necessarily motivated by money, but they want additional empowerment. So in, in going with that sense of community, how would you explain that? Well, again, what I often say, I do a lot of speaking at, yeah. at different events and for tech and for Vistage and all sorts of even CEO forums. But what I often say is, you know, if you think about your employees today, employees at, at pretty much of any age have more education and more access to education than ever before. Yeah. Um, you know, something as simple as saying I can get an answer by Googling it within minutes, whereas 20 years ago, I either looked up the encyclopedia or tried to find somebody that might have the correct answer. Uh, now, that's not to say everything on the internet is true, but nonetheless. <laughs> so we have greater access to information. We're, we're more highly educated than ever before as far as a demographic goes. And yet we're coming into companies, into business structures, into management hierarchies that have been around since you know before the industrial age. And so we're still trying to take somebody who's got their MBA and say, okay, you can start as accounting clerk. And, you know, I'll check in with you annually and, and tell you how you're doing. And, um, you know, that's it. And, and there may be opportunities for you to move up. You'll have to keep an eye out for them. I'm not going to let you know. And we wonder, well, why are people leaving? Well, right. we're, not, we're not really tapping into this education, this information. We're not tapping into the experience and the ideas that our employees have. And if you really want to create this community, but more importantly, a business that performs well, you need to realize I have a lot of people around here with a lot of ideas I just need to find different ways to tap into those ideas to help me improve my business, improve my right. experience, et cetera. So the, the book really talks around once you've formed this idea of a community, how can you tap into it to improve the business performance? Right. And I, I think, again, with that whole empowerment thing, it's like people want to be heard. They want to feel important. They want to feel like they matter and they make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, social media has had an influence on that in and of itself. People today, social media gives everybody an avenue to be a superstar if they so want to be. <laughs> Go on Facebook and create a persona of somebody that they're really not, potentially. But if you realize that this is the mindset of people today, you have to give them that avenue to voice their ideas and concerns because that's what they're used to. You have to allow them to use their education information because that's what they're used to. Once you do right. that, you start to empower them, allow them to make decisions, allow them to get involved. They're going to want to actually show up for work and contribute. That's true. Now, how do you implement some of those things? Like, how do you, like, sort of tap into their empowerment or get them to increase their performance or productivity? Like, how does how do you implement that? Well, it, it really depends on your business, but you yeah, know, I can sure. give you di different examples. So if you are a, a CEO or president of a, let's say, a mid-market company, uh, that means you're, you're quite busy doing things you should be doing. So the question I would pose to you is, is it on your calendar to go out and visit with all employees once a month? Mm -hmm. uh, or at the outset once a quarter where you maybe do a little soapbox talk and you, or a fireside chat with all employees. Maybe you have to break them into groups to tell them what's going on in the business, to tell them what's going on with the customers, where you're taking the business, and then to answer any questions they have. My experience, most CEOs, when they reach you know, that level of a, a business, don't believe they have the time to do that. However, right. they don't make the time and they realize those employees are my front lines. I mean, without them, there is no right. business you better tap into what they're seeing and hearing and understanding so you can understand it yourself. On the flip side, if you're a supervisor or a leader, it can be as simple as when somebody brings me a challenge or an issue or a problem, I start with a question rather than an answer. So rather than saying, this is how you do it, I say, you know, I'm curious, how, do you, how would you typically approach that? Or how do you think we should go about that? And right. you start to release the reins around decision-making to those people who are dealing with those, those issues, those challenges. I like that. I remember, um, we haven't done it lately, but 
um, with one of my first clients that I worked with years ago, um, he used to have like R&D calls. So we'd meet together and, you know, we had to, for so many hours a, a month, kind of think about how to think outside the box, how to, you know, expand services, or if there was an issue, how to solve it. And then we all kind of brought our ideas to the table at these meetings. And it was great. It worked out like some of the ideas were fabulous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, it's, it's the realization that I, I can't go this alone. And in fact, I'm much smarter. You, you mentioned we were talking before the call. I've got a new website up. Now that website came as a result of somebody I was working with. Yeah. Said, you know, I've seen your, your last website and it looks fantastic, but I think I could streamline it. I think I could clean it up a little bit for you. Here's the value. Here's what I think the outcomes will be. And they actually gave me metrics as far as oh, SEO wow. and visitors. And I'm like, well, why, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah. You know? Um, so, so it's, it's just being open and receptive to the people you work with to say, Hey, they've got, a, they've got a brain and they're actually smarter in some areas than I am. So why wouldn't I tap into that? Totally. And I like when people like, okay, there might be a problem here, but here's uh, some solutions. I love when people come to the table with solutions as opposed to just the problem. To me, it makes me feel like they care that they're, they're thinking that they have my interest at heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but, but again, today's, in, in my experience, in many organizations, employees have to be trained uh, or, or, or advised that they can do that or yeah. trained that because mm -hmm. they've they become accustomed to not being asked or not being included. So you have to kind of shift how you're working with them to say, no, no, we want your ideas. Let me show you what I'm going to do with them. Yeah, and, and there's, to like, again, total mentality change, right? We're as a, someone walking into work, punching in the time clock, leaving, and then that's it. They just kind of, they're, they're just putting in the hours. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And what we want is people to show up and, and again, want to be there. Now, this yeah. doesn't mean that as you make this transition, I mean, the reality is if you start to do some of these things that I speak of in the book and we're talking about here today, you're going to have some people that latch on really quickly. Yeah. You're going to have some people on the fence and aren't really sure what you're doing. And you're going to have some people that rebel and push back. And, you know, for those who rebel, push mm -hmm. back, don't believe it you know, some of those people you might never bring on board, but why wouldn't we get started with that new approach now, see the benefits yeah. of it and have that kind of structure for, for our new employees who are, you know, if they are, happen to be younger, again, expect a different kind of a working environment than what, you know, has been historically accepted by previous generations. And a lot of employers do you find they don't set any expectations up front. It's like, here's your duties as assigned and then that's it. Like, yeah. would you suggest then that, you know, and for me, I'm, I'm mainly working with entrepreneurs and small businesses that may have a smaller team versus, you know, like the corporate environment. Um, but like setting those ex expectations, should we be talking about our company goals and what the future holds? Yeah, I mean, I, even if you've got, let's say, a couple employees, I'm a fan of, of including employees in the interview process. You know, you might screen the employees yourself, but you have somebody else say, look, I'm going to interview somebody. I'd like you to interview them, and then let's connect. I'd like your ideas and feedback because that person is going to be working with other people as much right. or more than you. So once you've, you've used the process like that, you've identified the right people, then, yeah, you know, before you hire them on, you don't just want to be telling them their, your role. You want to be sharing, here's where the company's going. Yeah. Here's my objectives. Here's what I expect of people that are going to be on board and not just, you know, show up for work on time and eat your lunch at noon, but, <laughs> but yeah. I, I need you to share creative ideas. And, you know, I tell, I work with um, three separate folks in different areas of my business. And, you know, I say to them quite at the very start, here's what I tell them. I travel a lot. 
So if I'm sending you emails, a lot might be, you, know, you might get a lot of emails in the weekend, a lot of emails in the evening. Don't take that as you have to answer to them. It's just, it's, that's just when I have time yeah. to do it. And secondly, sometimes because I'm traveling or busy, I'm not, you know, hey, how's your weekend? What's new? I might be, boom, I need this. But never take that as I'm trying to be rude. I'm just, I'm just trying to get information to you in the most efficient means possible. And sometimes that might not sound direct. So if you ever think it's a little bit rude, I mean, let me know. But So I just set them up for who, who am I that they're going to be dealing with? What, where am I taking the business? And how do I see them fitting in? Uh, and then introduce them to the team, right? As far as, hey, and, and you know, I've, I've built a fairly strong team of folks uh, and I don't have, I mean, other than my home office and my suitcase, I don't have an official <laughs> office. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's just introducing them to the business where it's going, it's yeah. vision for the future, how they contribute and how they should, uh, uh, ex- what they should expect really is the key. Do you take personality types into consideration? I, I do to an extent. I mean, I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of development training with leaders, um, have for, for about a decade now. And what I've really done is, you know, I've always been a fan of uh, the DISC assessment. It's yeah. the longest standing uh, assessment of behaviors and communication out there. It's relatively cheap to, to, to purchase. It's uh, very easy to use and understand. But right. what you know, I, I always tell people, you have to be careful you don't get painted into a corner. You can't say, well, this person scored this way on the assessment, therefore they're like this. We don't want to yeah. pay boxes because there's, yeah. there's, well, there's so many things to consider. Yes, there's behavioral styles. There's, if you've done Myers-Briggs, there's also different thought patterns. There's different generational preferences. There's different life experiences. I mean, if, if you grew up in a, in a broken home or you, maybe you've been divorced or maybe you lost somebody at a young age that was very important to you, you know, all of these things really go into the, the, pot, the, the melding pot of who we are as people. So we have to be cautious with that. We use one tool and say, that's who that person is. I, because of what I do for a living, I think I have a fairly good assessment of people just by having a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I personally use that. And in some cases, my clients bring me in to help them identify key players, again, just based on having a third party, what, you know, based on what they know of the organization, uh, will this person be a good fit? But, you know, those who are listening, you know, again, I'd suggest just having your employees become part of the interview process. Interesting. I have never heard that before, ever. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I would never have thought of that in a million years. But yeah, I mean, if you're all working together as a team, you want to know that you're going to gel and that, you know, the systems are going to work and yeah, the delegation and, you know. And I should make a, uh, I should make a correction for those listening uh, uh, in the United States. It's process, not process. <laughs> <laughs> I know people, <laughs> don't you find people, they're like, oh, you're Canadian. I'm like, how did you know? And it's like the way I said a word, I'm like, I don't see how I said that differently. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, process, process, I, I yeah. screw up quite a bit. I'll, I'll, if I'm in the U.S. for a while, I'll get used to the process, then I'll come back here and I'll mess it up. But I also find, um, I've been told that I say a boot, and um, I've never said a boot in my life. I mean, I say a, a boat. Um, but yeah, so I've been told I say a boot, a boot, and I said, well, I don't think I, I don't think I, I do. I've even Fair said enough. it a few times myself, and I'm like, I don't see how I'm saying that differently than you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, we have the benefit of listening to ourselves on a recording to make sure it's not, uh, you know, just to make sure. But yeah, there, there clearly is differences, but uh, in language, I thought I should correct the process, process one there. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Um, so with like, you know, what motivates an employee? I mean, obviously the empowerment is a part of it. Is there anything else that plays a role with their morale or their performance or productivity? Well, I, I think, I mean, I could, I could rhyme off a list uh, of 20 things, but I, I guess to me, yeah. if you really want to get people to perform at the highest level, the key is to put them, you know, number one, make sure they're going to be a fit for the team and the environment they're coming into, because we're not all fit. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to say you're going to yeah. fit well in this company. Uh, so we, we want to assess the fit. We want to have the team involved. Once they're in the environment, we want to give them enough time to come up to speed. You know, the, yeah. the, the idea of saying, I'm going to, do a little bit of a training session with somebody and we give them a day, a week to do so. But, but keep in mind, people learn at different rates of speed. Totally. People consume information in different ways. I'm very visual. Some people are audible, some people kinesthetic. So when you're getting them up to speed, you have to realize, again, they're an individual. How they consume and absorb and apply this information is going to be different for every single person. Once they're you know, kind of onboarded and now in the company, I want to stay in touch with them mm-hmm. on a regular basis to see how's it going, what's new, is there anything I can help with? Uh, and, you know, so to just continue, it's this evolution. And I should, going back to what we said at the very start here, as the leader of the organization, regardless of size, I should never lose touch with my people. If you've right. gone, I think they used to say that Jack Welch used to walk around. Um, actually, I know Richard Branson, I think, is still known for this, walking around and knowing people by name. Wow. It's not just his executive team, right? Because right. they constantly make a concerted effort to stay connected with employees in the business. Because, again, without the employees, there is no business. That is true. Now, do you see any, I mean, I... You know, that, the summary of that is communication. Right. It's just constant yeah. communication. That's true. And do you find that with so many online businesses like, you know, entrepreneurs nowadays, we have online virtual teams. Do you find that there are more obstacles in our way or it's harder or there's things that we should do differently? Well, I, I think to me, again, it comes back to common sense. If I've got an online team or a virtual team, what I want to be focused mm-hmm. on is, uh, not just having sending emails all the time or not yeah. just having the messaging, but how often do we get on something like Zoom or Skype mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, uh, even in, in, you know, using Google to have a conversation face-to-face? Because we know, all of us know, that the most effective way, the most effective conversation comes through face-to-face interaction, followed closely by telephone, followed third by digital, right? Email, yeah. texting. And yet we all today go to email and texting and we wonder, why didn't they understand me clearly? Why are they upset with me? I mean, it's, it's because yeah. we have important conversations are not using the right medium. So luckily, technology's offered us solutions. I just don't see enough of us using them at the right times. Yeah, I can see that for sure. It's almost like you're taking the easy route out because we're so yeah. freaking busy. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and exactly. And we take a look at email and we say, well, email, I can be productive because I can bang off 10 emails. But almost every one of those emails comes back to you. Yeah. Whereas if you picked up the phone, you resolve it yeah. once and done, you'd be finished, right? So we think we're being productive oh, when yeah. we're off times we're not. Yeah. One of my clients, we have team meetings um, every Monday just to kind of go over a bunch of agenda things because otherwise the, and plus you get inundated by emails. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Um, But to have like an hour long conversation once a week, it's like you can just power through stuff. Everyone's heard. It's all clear. Um, Yeah. I find we're much more productive that way. Yeah. Agreed. I agree a hundred percent. Um, so how would you, so let's say, you know, your employee, they're all gung ho, um, they're feeling empowered, they're able to voice their opinions, implement change. 
how does that affect your ROI or how does that affect your, you know, your profits and your growth for your business? Well, and this is where a lot of times the idea of engagement or empowerment lose traction with executives and business owners. They say there is no ROI. You can't show it to me on paper. Yeah. But, you know, if, for example, if, if I was to secretly shop somebody's business, so let's say they're a retail outlet and I go in and I throw some odd scenarios at their employees, how do they respond? Because we can easily say that if they respond poorly, mm-hmm. that that's a loss of a sale. And yeah. we can look at the average selling price or the average product that sells in that retail outlet. And we can say, so realistically, how they responded was definitely a loss of sale. And if you're smart, you've even got it kind of an average lifetime value set with your customers. So you can say, not only did I lose that sale, I lost the opportunity to gain that customer. Yeah. Which is- average life. So, so you can dig into and understand the value of having engaged employees, having employees that want to show up and, and want to contribute, but you need to, to think of it more from the standpoint of customer facing. And a lot of, again, a lot of my, my second book that I'm working on now is, is all around that the impact employees have on the customer and, yeah. and how they can contribute to accelerating growth in the business. If you've got the whole system around your employee, that employee customer connection set up correctly. And that's so true. And it's like, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs out there that have businesses that have teams that like, for instance, you know, a couple of my team members have direct contact with my clients and how they're servicing them. So I can, you know, if they're having a bad experience or things are not being done properly or, or, you know, if they go above and beyond and come up with suggestions, you're only going to you know, do better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're only going to benefit from that. Yeah. I, I recall Lindsay, when I had done a, quite some time ago, I'd done a podcast and you were kind of navigating that. Um, and, and I ended up getting sick. And so I immediately contacted you to let you know, I couldn't mm. participate. Now you could have ignored my email. You could have responded with a nasty gram. You could have done all sorts of things, but you're very understanding and because you're very understanding, I remembered you. I remembered that situation. I carry that with me. If somebody says, hey, you know, Lindsay Phillips, I'm like, yeah, this is what happened. She was great, right? So, so it, we, again, we forget the value of human yeah. interaction, especially in today's online world. You know, go you're on my new website. I've got a chat module now. I saw that. Yeah, so if I'm logged in right now, although I've paused it here while we're doing this, but I'm logged in anytime I'm online. Uh, my wife is part of the business, so she's on there, and I've got somebody else helping me to try and keep, you know, availability for people who yeah. are on the in case they have but one wrong message or one message interpreted incorrectly, such as yeah. it's abrupt or direct, or I take the, you know, I take the question in the wrong context, can create... A, a negative situation that can mean that person never comes back to my site again. So for example, I've said to my wife, if somebody asks a question you don't know the answer to your response should be something like, can I have Sean call you? He typically responds in 90 minutes. And, and something like that is, is going to be appeasing to an individual because most people are comfortable with a 90 minute response. Oh, I know I can achieve it and just either say, well, I have to get back to you or I don't know the answer to that. I mean, you know, which one would you prefer? Oh, absolutely. It's really online to think about the human connection and that there's an individual on the other end of that computer uh, that that has their own viewpoint on things. And so we we have to create that that bond. Yeah. And people just want to know that, like, they matter and, like, someone actually cares about what they're asking or, or, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, We we are live because you can hear my phone ringing. Yeah. (laughs) That's all right. It's all good. 
Um, but yeah, it's funny. Whenever I respond to people quickly with an email, I sometimes get, oh my God, you emailed me so fast. And I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, but it's sad that that, you know, when that happens, people are pleasantly surprised as opposed to like, that's how it should be in my eyes. <laughs> well, exactly. And I'll share something similar along the idea of email. I was just speaking with a, a kind of a colleague of mine last week and he sends a lot of emails trying to, to connect with people, meet with people, uh, set up meetings, what have you. He does something similar to what I do. And he said to me last week, he says, man, you just work the phones, Sean, like nobody I know and what you do. I mean, you're constantly on the phone. You're constantly reaching out to people. And I said, and, and he doesn't. So he finds it more productive because he can create a form email and send yeah. 20 out and then go have a Mai Tai at, you know, outside. <laughs> but I might be driving, traveling. I mean, I've got my headset in all the time. I'm constantly making calls. But I said to him, how important is that first impression? How yeah. important is that client or that customer or that potential customer to you? To me, I know in person I'm a much better individual than over email. And in person, as much as it might seem old school, it helps me stand apart from everybody else sending form emails. So I choose the phone as my primary primary way to connect with people if possible. So it, it sets me apart. It's distinct, but more importantly, it helps me create, again, that employee-customer connection for me personally with my clients and prospective clients. Yeah, that's true. And it's all about relationship building, right? Absolutely. What, what, what every business you know, re really needs to realize is it is about relationships. It might not seem, you know, um, up, you know, in, in Canada, obviously, we've only got a handful of, of players for the telecom industry. <laughs> and you call in, and depending on who you get, what time of day it is, it can, it can make or break the situation, right? Um, whether they can answer your question or not is always kind of a crapshoot. But uh, what's interesting is that it's because of the impact, you know, so you've got a mass amount of employees dealing with a massive amount of, you know, customers with all sorts of issues. They try and whittle you down by giving you 25 options while you're on the phone, only then to hold for 15, 20 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes. And once you get somebody on the phone, you got a 10 to 1 chance they can actually answer your question. Yeah. So the outcome of that is a loss of customers which has created a commodity market. And if you look at the price of telecom services, they've continued to come down down, down over the years, right? Well, why is that? Well, I bet you have a telecom company come in that actually service their customers really well, they'd be able to set the highest price in the market. Yeah, totally. Nobody, nobody thinks about it that way. They no, think, no. I got to compete. I got to hire 4,000 people to man my calls. I got to give them some training. I got to measure how quickly they answer those calls, which is wrong. I mean, if the incentive is to get off the call and move on to the next one, uh, there's no way I'm going to answer that customer you know, no, you're, you're not going to dig deeper. You're just going to give no. them that answer. It's it's the completely wrong the, the complete wrong approach. But but that's what they take. So they are they become a commodity marketplace, and then they are complaining we're not making enough money. Yeah, their focus is in the wrong spots. Yeah, absolutely. I sent a. Uh, it's funny. I sent a a copy of my book to the CEO of Rogers, but uh, his, <laughs> his name is Guy. Uh, I did get a hold of his secretary. She was oh, very yeah? kind, and she said she had. Lots of books to review with them. Mine would probably get forwarded to HR. I'm like, well, that's the wrong place for it. So I'll, yeah. send, I'll send you another one in six months, see if you'll read it then. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, I know. The organizations. So tell me a little bit about the new book that you're writing, um, Sean. Well, it's, it's all, uh, as I mentioned to you just before we got on this interview, it struck me in writing my first book, which all is all about you know how to create empowerment, how to tap into the knowledge and experience of people to build a strong business and writing that that 
you know, the contributions that employees make at all levels in a company to growing that business are just phenomenal. You know, think about the example I typically share is somebody in accounts receivable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who's, you know, if you think about somebody who's typically in accounting, they're, they're kind of quiet, they're numbers driven, right? They're very analytical. I, and again, I'm profiling, but just as an example. Yeah. Um, and, and they're often responsible for calling customers to say you're past due. So what does that conversation look like? Because it probably looks like, hey, I'm calling invoice one, two, three's past due. Can you tell me when you're going to pay it? Uh, whereas it could look like with the right training and interaction with that employee, hey, I noticed you're behind a little bit on, on last month's payment. We do have some options for you. We can move you to a discount plan uh, if it'll help you, you know, in, in the pricing wise and allow you to pay on time. Um, also just wondering, is there anything else we can do to help you uh, moving forward. So opening up a dialogue and allowing yeah. people in different roles to connect with customers to understand more about their business. I had one client use this and they had a 20, what a 22% uptake on moving customers to a 2% 15 net 30 from just a standard net 30, which means they're giving them a 2% discount, but getting paid in 15 days. And this took those, that 22% off of their late payment because yeah. some companies have a policy. If you give us a discount, we will pay you first. So just by realizing that different employees in different roles can have a significant impact on the growth of the business. And I, when I wrote the, about the employee customer connection, it struck me, this is a whole nother book. So I'm, I'm just wrapping up the, uh, the proposal. Uh, I've been in some initial discussions with my publisher. I'm not sure if, uh, who I'll end up being with yet, but uh, I suspect to have this, uh, underway this winter with, uh, coming out sometime in next year. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's daunting and exciting at the same time. Yes, a lot of work. <laughs> Perfect. Now, I know in regards, obviously, your first book is available. Um, so how can people get that book? And I understand you have a free chapter that's available. Yeah, probably the easiest thing for your listeners. If they go to um, my domain, so it's casemoreandco.com. That's C-A-S-E-M-O-R-E-A-N-D-C-O.com forward slash free dash chapter. We'll take them to a page where there's a little bit of a, I give them a free chapter they can download. Uh, and it's titled The Powers and the People, Misconceptions That Reduce Performance. Um, and I talk kind of give an overload or an overview, excuse me. It's not too much of an overload <laughs> of the chapter. And then if you do want to grab more information, um, I've got an ebook out that uh, I offer as well, that they can Perfect. input their email for, and I can send that off to them right away as well. Awesome. And then I was on your, um, Facebook earlier today and saw that you, uh, your graphics look beautiful by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. You. I don't know who's doing them for you, but they look, the branding is fabulous. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a combination of uh, a couple of folks' uh, dedicated work, but um, I'm now on various platforms. I'm just experimenting with Snapchat. Oh, um, yeah. And everything, everything, every place I am is under my name, Sean Casemore, typically on well, no those spaces. Yeah. So I can be found on Twitter at Sean Casemore. I've got a twice-a-week Periscope show, awesome. uh, mon- Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, all on tips to grow your business. I'm on Snapchat under Sean Casemore, Pinterest, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, you name it, I'm there. And uh, would love to connect with any of your listeners or answer any questions they have around how to grow their business. Perfect. You are one busy dude. <laughs> yeah. All good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. You gave us a lot of great tips and uh, yeah, just great conversation. Great. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. It was good, uh, good chatting again. Perfect. Well, that is it 
folks for the special episode of sailing to success podcast so you can find this episode my videos and blogs and other episodes at lindsayphillips.com to listen and so until next time folks i wish you a productive and profitable week and may the winds always be at your back You've been listening to the Sailing to Success podcast, the show created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm of fast-paced business growth. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.sailingtosuccesspodcast.com. To learn more about how Lindsay and her team can help you increase customer service, run your business more effectively, and increase your profits, go to www.ssonlinesupport.com. That's www.ssonlinesupport.com. Now go and implement what you've learned and come back next week for more Sailing to Success podcasts.